Welcome to the What's Lacking Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Atencia. With me today is Omari Hudson. Care to give me a, a, a short introduction, bio? Um, My name's Omari Hudson. I'm from Oakland, California, currently living in Long Beach, California. I am a barber and new dad now. Baby girl just turned seven months today. That went by fast. Congratulations hey. again. Thank you, sir. It's it's a lot, but you know I can't complain. Um, you know, I like do like Long Beach. Long Beach has expanded my taste. I am a beach guy now. I will walk oh. to the beach randomly in the morning. I'll take a break from work during the day to go to the beach. Won't do a thing. I'll just be there. <laughs> Won't even do anything. I'll just there. That's, I think that's part of my personality now, just being a beach guy at this point. There's 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 few things in 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 life in the world that just have the effects of like relaxation and calming and just peacefulness that the beach does, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's part of my personality now, just going to the beach and relaxing, things like that. I love uh, I love the the hair too. It 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 matches with that new sort of um, personality of just. Laid back, relaxed, um, beach going vibe. Oh, it's all, man, it's all COVID. Once COVID happened, I was like, "Well, you know, be in the house here. We need to see what happens." And one thing led to another. <laughs> and I just start real. I start looking around at the beach, and I was there. I was like, "Oh, it's a bunch of y'all growing y'all hair out." Okay, we in this together. Hey, hey listen, <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> um, so, do you want um, to just give a, a a brief rundown of how how we know each other and how we met? Yeah, you walk in the shop. I don't remember if it was a sports conversation or a political or just a music conversation. There was some kind of <laughs> disagreement I remember having with you where I said to myself, this dude is different. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember thinking, I mean, like, in a good way. I was right. like, okay. You know, I got a bunch of clients who I'll disagree with. I'd be like, hmm, all right. That's not just some simple disagreement. That's, uh, okay. You know, you, you vibe with people. And it's not like a, it's not like a bad one. It's more like a, just a meeting of the minds. Yeah, and I was like, okay. I was like, I like the way this dude thinks. And then from those haircuts from there, you kept from the back, and you know, I was like, okay, I rock this guy. I mean, I I think for me, um, I always got a a great sort of um vibe from you, and it was instant for me, like the 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 way in which we clicked, um in conversations and just sort of like the same sort of, um, energy. Um, we were very simpatical. So, um, from the get go, I was, I was very at ease and just being myself, talking to you, um, stating my opinions without feeling, um, attacked or even, um, misunderstood. Cause I think sometimes in barbershops, um, I think sometimes it's difficult to present arguments in a way that is nuanced or, you know, complex or, you know, to try to, you know, right. Just, you know, and try to maybe have a discussion in a way that is uh, elongated, you know, try to, you know, set forth your, your position in a way that's um, full of, 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 of development. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the, the, the way that most of these conversations go, but 
with you and in and in, 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 in your barbershop, I felt that that was that was actually done. And I feel that it was because of of you. You 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 made sure that you were sort of uh, holding court and <clears throat> you allowed for the the conversations and the discussions to be pretty high level. And you know, you, you I, I feel like you 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 kept the the, the sort of uh, rah rah loudness and just you know, whoever is the loudest is going to be the the winner of this debate. And um, so yeah, I, I appreciated that and enjoyed it. Yeah, because that that I'm wrong, that's always been an irritant. I'm like the loudest person in the room is not always correct. They're just the one, <laughs> they're just the one we're going to all to be thinking about because they were louder. That doesn't mean it actually stuck, you know. Yeah, and I think we get lost because there are people who want to contribute to conversation. But we're like, I'm not about to yell over that. I'm yeah. not about to talk over that. <laughs> you know, why would you want to talk over that? Right. I mean, I, I feel like that was me, but sometimes I can't help myself. You know, I'll I'll stay quiet for long enough, and then I'll just come in and <laughs> I'll get Guns the weird. I'll be like, okay, this is. A- yeah, I'll get I'll get the weird looks. Like, all right, who is this guy? Like, um. But yeah, so uh, we we I, I I used to tell Paula that you know my longest relationship was with with you as my barber. So <laughs> so we 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 had a a, a long run and like I moved six, to five, six or seven. I moved to Oakland in twenty twelve. Um, twenty yeah. January of 2012, and I got my first haircut January 2012. So I came back to to Philly in 2018, June 2018. So yeah, six six years. Long time. Yeah. Long consistently, time. consistently. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it'd be like, man, that's ooh, that was back before the appointments. You just come and taking a chance, <laughs> taking. Listen, because it, I feel like I, I'm straddling that sort of transition from when it was just like it was pretty standard for walk-ins, but you being a great barber, you having um, good business acumen, um, you built it up where it's like it's necessary now. I'm assuming um, to 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 have appointments, but back then it was more like I was operating under old school um uh, rules you know like walk in and you know you kind of had a sense of of the times that you know you would you you would catch the barber but yeah now now i've i'm I'm sure that it's 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 impossible to do it that way yeah it, it it is i mean you still can but it's not always the easiest solely because kobe changed everything kobe made it to where you had to uh oh that's true yeah lock in you still got people who do but with the new generation of uh barbers it's you know it's um that's not happening right and and even back then because i remember trying to go on fridays and saturdays and it was just like bro yeah i can't do it um because you was funny now because the day the other days of the week are just as busy now yeah and now wow. everybody's appointments and everyone's schedules all wild and now everyone wants to be an influencer and work for themselves so no one's stuck in a nine to five like that <laughs> like they used to be. Right. That's 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 interesting. Um so yeah, so so you're a barber, you're you're you moved down to Long Beach, 
Um, how now that you you brought up the pandemic, how what other major differences have you seen between um, being a, a barber before and after? Social media. That's oh, okay. the biggest one. I always tell people, man, social media is the news and the sports center. It's a 90-second clip of a three-hour game. It's not going to give mm-hmm. you the whole story of the game. You'd swear if this person had three highlight real dunks, they dominated the game. They finished the game with those six points. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of people who get on here lying, talking about stuff about their ability, the money they make, this and that. Like, bro, you're not doing what you say you're doing. Okay. And I say you're not because either I know you personally or I know people who do know you and you look and you're like, come on, man, you don't have to do this. You ain't got a lot of kick it. So there's people over here overinflating prices, overinflating skill set. Mm. With that, especially down in Southern California, there's always somebody, there's always a barber, uh, posted up by some by some rented fancy car that they don't own, trying to say <laughs> this is what a barber gets you these prices. Do what I do, and you're not doing that, right? Right. Yeah, because I remember we did a uh, a big bank, little bank with some other guys, and I was like, y'all do all this stuff. I make more than y'all. Not not like saying like that, but it's right, right. Like, why are you being phony about? what this business is. Business is hard. Right. Make it, make it like it's easy. Business is actually very, very hard. This is not coding. We have to decipher the code and that's it. There is a lot mm-hmm. of facts that go into this. Okay. And that's that's the major difference, social media. Now, because everyone's lying. You remember when mm-hmm. people were, when they stopped the uh, unemployment and everyone said they're going to work for themselves? And yeah. how many of those folks yeah. are actually back working nine to fives now? Yeah. Same thing. A lot of barbers are lying. I'm like, all right, now some of y'all stop telling those same lies before. I, I, I keep a paper trail check of these posts. Right. And I'll find like you were before because y'all start realizing, hey, people don't have to come back. You're overcharging. You're not being professional. You're talking down to your customer. Yeah. You can't call and, your customer out, out their name, man. Come on. Now. Yeah. And I, and I also know that, you know, you're just not, you know, uh, a barber who has a chair in a, in a shop, you know, you have your own shop and, you know, you run your own operation and business. So I think you also have, um, a perspective that's a little bit more entrepreneurial, right? Because some of, I'm assuming, you know, like you, you would know more than I do, but <clears throat> some of these barbers just, you know, rent seats and yes. the, and they might just be portraying as if they own the shop and that they're doing a lot more than um, what they're actually doing because, you know, you're a barber, but you're also running a shop. You're you're hiring. You're letting go of people. Um, you're advertising. You're marketing. You're you know you're 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 running an operation which is a little bit more than just, um, you know, just renting a seat and 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 being a barber and and, and letting other you know another individual bring in the the customers or, or market or, you know, run the, the books, et cetera. Yeah. It, um, it's more time consuming because I used to leave the shop before and just be done. Now there's always worrying about something, how this is running, how that is running, hoping you have people in there with you who are respectful of the space you have, you know, cause I, just cause I know how I do things or did things before. doesn't mean that, someone else will do the same things mm. I have and are currently doing. 
And I think that's one of the biggest things I had to check myself on. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. It works for me. Maybe it doesn't work for them. And if they just mm-hmm. don't succeed at what they're doing, they have to realize it. Because now, once again, you can't tell somebody that this isn't working. You have to just let them just mess up, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was still operating under the old school mentality of, hey, let me help you out. Do this and do that. Nowadays, it's no, this is what it is. I got this. I say it so it has to be true, but it's not, you know. And we're not old guys. We just know our generation is just raised with the old school and also pushing for a newer change, but still keeping traces of what we learned growing up. Right. right. Now, and it's not even an age thing. It's a generational of the business. They just, mm. not just barbering any business. They're just getting in there just mm-hmm. saying, I I think this and I could do it. And it's that, and it's not. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, so it's a lot of hurt feelings out here. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 I think you were getting at this earlier, which is that people think it's just easy and it's just a matter of like having a little bit of money and just going into uh, a project without preparation and, and, and research and studying. And it's like, it's not that simple, not that it's impossible, but you also have to sort of understand the lay of the land and, and, and have some preparation to be able to succeed. Cause if not, you know, it, it, it might not go your, your, your way. I swear this happened. So true story that made me think about you. Pa- parents swear that teacher's job is easy, right? Some of these parents oh. swear that job's job is easy. I literally had a client and I promise you this is on everything I love. This was right when we reopened back in 2020. Uh, this dude was helping his daughter out doing her homework. And then I guess he called himself being a nice parent and started doing her homework for her. This girl's a B no. student. No, she's a B student. When he started doing the work, she started dropping to get C's. And D's. And I'm like, bro, you saying why the kid ain't learning? Like, the kid's learning. You're not helping the kid learn. Like, you're not stepping right. up. You're not, you misinterpreted what the teacher's job was to instruct. Mm-hmm. And this is not just that. You have to balance the personalities of students in the class. And it was right. Zoom time, too. Y'all got them playing their video games thinking it's all cool because they're not in school. No, you're making the job harder. That job is not easy at all. And y'all are not compensated enough. Separate conversation. You're not compensated enough at all. But it just goes to show that, you know, I don't think people fully understand what a job or career actually is. Mm. Unless they know somebody intimately or they just jump head right. first into it and realize, oh, I got to get out the deep end of the pool. It's too much over here. Right. I mean, it, this is why I like having these conversations and just, you know, getting to know people just, you know, because if you're if you're humble and you just open to listening to the experiences and to the knowledge of uh, that people have uh, of their own professions, careers, you know, thoughts, et cetera, you can learn a lot from from them and, and apply a lot of the the knowledge that they're that they're imparting on you into your own life and and and, and become better. Um so you know now that we 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 sort of have that um present uh biography and where you're at um I wanted to ask you about your your childhood. What was your your childhood uh like growing up in in, in Oakland and, and just in general? Interesting childhood. I don't really get usually get delve too much into it. Um, so my dad was a Muslim. My uh, mom's side of the family, Joe's witness. So I stayed with my mom's side of the family more. So 
that's how we were raised. Um, what was I going to say? I remember for the first, up until seventh grade, I was in speech therapy because I still stutter, but I had a real bad stutter. So I was usually in speech therapy at least, well, it started off three times a week. Then it became one time a week because I got older, but it was a yeah. lot of times in speech therapy. I don't think I've ever, I ever knew that or have even noticed um, you stuttering, but oh, this, continue, it's, sorry. It's, it's flaring up now more so because I haven't been doing the same exercise I usually okay. do. But so you know, they always say to like relax, get your thoughts in order, get your mind okay. together. I'll just jump to something sometimes. I'm like, whoa, let me slow down. All right, it's yeah. just, I'll just hit the. I'm like, oh shit, I can't get this out. <laughs> All right, let me slow down. You know, um, and I was gonna say growing up in Oakland, my I was living with my mom. My dad had other kids, so it was years where I wouldn't see them because I was, you know. Dad was out here rolling, doing his thing. I didn't feel like seeing everybody like that. Cause I'm like, I got my own situation over here. Mm-hmm. All up in sack. So, I mean, we're all good now, but, it, you know, and we had different moms, so it made a whole different situation between kids. Dad likes your mom better. Mm-hmm. We all had those childish back and forth between right. us. It created some conflict, but, you know, we were able to talk about that stuff out. It's fine. We're adults. You know, we all got so- lives. So was your 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 father? Is my screen blank? Uh, you froze. Uh, but I can still hear you. Okay. Um, was your father um living in Sacramento at this time, and had he been you know married? Yeah, at this time, I want to say when I got to, when I was uh later elementary and middle school, yeah, he was married, new family, uh, everything else with the other siblings I had in between. It felt like every year I was growing up, I was finding out about a new sibling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was a while there. I was like, all right, uh, okay, this person, this person. Oh, this person. Oh, I did meet this person. I don't remember <laughs> this people. Oh, okay. You know, it was just a lot. So how many? How many siblings? How many half siblings? Um, yeah, there's you- there's nine of us, so eight half siblings. Um, well, one. We didn't meet one because he died some years okay. ago. We didn't meet. But uh, my dad, funny conversation earlier this year, he told me at the baby shower, you know, last year, he told me at the baby shower that uh, he was, his goal was 10. And I asked him why. He said 10 is a nice round number. <laughs> it you know, is. I was living a fast lifestyle back in the day. So he would have got there, but a couple of DNA tests turned up failed, and a couple of women were like, no, nah, you got too much action going on here. But they was down yeah. for it. It was too much action, <laughs> so they backed out. Um, I mean, hey. Um, so are you your the only child from uh the union of your mom and your dad? Yes. Okay. Why is it my screen working? That's yeah, I'm 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 wondering it, it started working last time. Um it's weird. You wanna um oh, let me see, let me try something. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I had to turn yeah, it off and on. Yeah, perfect. Um, okay. And so are you also the youngest or not I really? Am, well, I spent the majority of my life being the second oldest and I found out at uh 29-30 I was the third oldest. Okay. So now I'm the third oldest. I just I was like, Oh, okay, we're third oldest now, no longer second. 
So what's the the sort of psychoanalytical profile of the third oldest? Are you sort of part of the middle child syndrome and or what? I'm you know, it's a lot of you, so <laughs> like I'm I'm literally a middle child, but you know, maybe the the same general uh, contours of middle child syndrome apply to the 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 middle children of the nine of you nine or eight I'm sorry nine nine yeah I'm the middle child when we're all together but I'm but you know I'm still one of the older ones and then when I'm in referencing to my mom I'm the only so I go back and forth depending on the certain the settings or circumstances right, right, right. okay. How was your your relationship with 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 your mom? Well, I mean, you know, I was living with her, so and she had me young, so that was everything. You know, it was uh, yeah. you know, it was uh, like a typical single mother son relationship. Sometimes where you look back and uh, you know, maybe un- unintentionally, but you do end up becoming your parents' uh, significant other or yeah. their. Uh, friend in a sense, not like you're trying to be, because you still know there's that boundary there. But there's a different relationship when it's a single parent and it is um, the opposite sex too, and the parent had you early, especially the early part. The early becomes a different dynamic. You right. know what I mean? Because at that point, you're still a kid yourself. Right. You're like Ziana, she, you know, both her parents are 35 and they, they had hers. You know, our daughter's going to be fine. She gonna, you know, she's gonna know there's a distinct difference, right? Oh, yeah, when she gets to be an adult, we're gonna be in our fifties. She's where she's gonna know we're old. Right. Whereas when I called my mom old, she wasn't old at all. She was just older than me. Older, yeah. So yeah. It, just, it took a different dynamic. Um, you're dealing with somebody who's still trying to figure out themselves. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I've heard there's. And and you know I think I think it's like a a major trope to say that sometimes there's this sort of projection uh, from mothers onto their sons uh, of of being a, a a significant other like unconsciously putting that onto their their sons and maybe. Um, being uh enmeshing their their sons in, in in that and that that could be maybe a little unhealthy so tying back into that when i was 21 my parents like they ended up getting back together my dad and his ex-wife my, my other stepmom got divorced they got remarried and i was 21 and there was a shift in her after that mm. many years later realized that all the years and you know we were doing joe's witness thing you were being celibate and you weren't out here. You were trying to find somebody. You're trying to find a life partner when you're not out here in the streets, like dating how people regularly date. Right. And celibate for marriage. And so you have a kid, and it's lonely because you're not out here the way you probably could be out here. And so, yeah, that projection does come onto the kid versus when she got back with somebody. There was a shift. It took me a while to adjust because I was like, wait a minute, what's going Good on? Point. Yeah. And this is and this is my own father here, so now I'm just like it's not like some random dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. I mean that's that's an interesting trajectory of your um parental history, right? Just because both parents separate 
there's you know the single parent um uh you being raised by a single mother but then her going back to your father biological dad who you hadn't seen and that's that's interesting because i i don't think that's a a, a very um common occurrence right i, I think that's a, a very small percentage of 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 new of when you know single mothers get remarried it usually isn't to you know the the initial um, person they had divorced yeah so it's just it's just interesting um to see their dynamic of course you know younger not understanding now getting older it all it all makes sense you see yeah you know, I, I can kind of see the trajectory of them heading back that way okay it's, it's funny in the moment where you're looking like yo what is going on here like what are y'all doing? You know what I mean? It just, right. You know, because I have a different relationship with him, obviously, than she would. Okay. Um, and then, how how was your relationship with your father, with your dad? It was off and on, more so because they were in Sac and I was in Oakland, and he had a bunch of other kids to where I would go. Every period where I, on a regular basis, see, and on a period it wouldn't be. Mostly it was me, because I was like, man, I'm not coming up here in all this chaos. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going back to Oakland. I'm the center of attention. I got other family <laughs> around here, but I know what this is. I'm not dealing with this. Like, right, right. So, a lot, so, like, if I really wanted to pursue it more when I was younger, I could have been up there a lot more. But, you know, it was always funny. I used to joke. I joke with him. I was like, let one, like, let one argument start. I'm out. That sounds smart. And um, although you had selfish uh, reasons, it's still probably healthier and probably the right decision to make i think it is i think it is i think it was healthier i think it was wrong still but sometimes the wrong decision is the healthier decision right well i meant wrong in terms of the uh emotional and psychological situation between my siblings and i the rift it kind of created that we never really we never addressed it we all just kind of kept pushing and it just kind of folded to the point where it's just not there. Okay. You know, it's not, it's not one of those things where now, oh, no, I think, you know, I think they all probably wish I'd live in Sacramento, but I'll probably never live in Sacramento. I, I kind of like Sacramento. I'm not going to lie. I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. I, 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 I think Sacramento has a lot going for it in California. It's um, close enough to the Bay. Uh, it's also way cheaper. Um, it has, but you're right. Right. I mean, it's getting more expensive, but um, it has good. I mean, it has a Sacramento King. So if you you know need professional sports to enjoy, uh, you have that. Um, and that's a nice stadium. You exactly universities. They have pretty you know good universities there. It's pretty suburban. The crime rate is low. Um, you have a nice downtown. I mean, yeah, I, I could do Sacramento. If you want snow, it's an hour, hour and a half away. Tahoe's right there. Tahoe's exactly. beautiful in the summer and in the uh, winter. Bay Area's obviously better, but, you know, it's 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 a cause-benefit analysis, you know, like... Don't, don't make afford... the wrong turn back. Don't make the wrong No, I know, back. I know. But, you know, like, listen, you, you grew up in Oakland. Uh, I, you know... I'm from Queens, live in Philly now, lived in Oakland too. Like, I, I, I think we're pretty well adept at knowing our surroundings and, and being able to 
to do okay. Yeah, because you make the wrong turn sack, you're going to see one too many Confederate flags on the places. You're going to be like, what's going on here? This is California. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's, yeah, that's everywhere. I mean, like, yeah, that's everywhere. I mean, you're right, but it, it's just funny because it's, it's like six, seven hours of driving space between SAC and the Oregon border. So there's a lot in between. It's a lot yeah. outside the city. Right. It's like a lot of hidden uh, white supremacists and neo Nazis just, you know, Lurking. Hiding, lurking, waiting. Um, what was your your you you spoke a little bit about it uh, with your um, speech therapy, but how was your experience in school and the educational system like? Oh, school school was a wide mixed bag. Oh man, the bullying from studying. Oh my goodness, I think I think that's where I developed a, a combination. It's not going to make any sense when I say it. it's a combination of thick skin and sensitivity, you know, because mm. depending on the moment or the joke, it can be thick skin or sensitivity, depending on it. But, you know, kids are relentless. Oh, yes. And then most of the school related issues I had stemmed from non-educational situations like uh, uh, my mom. I didn't have a fashion sense when I was a kid. And I was just telling my mom she was trying to hook, hook it up. And uh, I wasn't letting her buy the stuff that she probably should have bought me. And I'm going to school, you know. I got the pants flooding standing up and, you know, they either this tight because my grandmother bought these pants or, you know, I'm thinking I got some fly shoes on and uh, there's some old shoes. Like I, I went to school with some black, white, red shoes I thought were fly. They were given to me as a gift. I thought they were fly in 1999. <laughs> Find out there are some 94 Olajuwans and they <laughs> Oh, let me have it. Yo, listen, the, the hood is vicious. Yes, let me have it. It's listen. It's the talent for tearing down people using comedy is unreal and otherworldly. It's just you, you, you have to be prepared at every single moment for a vicious joke and attack, and you, and and you can't even, you can't help but. Fuck it, I, you gotta laugh because it's like that's just that's just funny. If it was somebody else, I'd be laughing. The funniest person on this earth is a middle school class clown. <laughs> like yo, middle school? I want to say from from kindergarten all the way up to twelfth grade. Like that's every fine. year, that's fine. You know what I'm saying like it's just it's I was like trying to narrow it down, but no, you're right. Let's let's include them all in there. Listen. It, the funniest shit is just being in like the lunchroom or in a classroom and and being cognizant of the fact that you don't want to bring any attention to yourself from the kid that you know could destroy you. Yes. In any yes. sort of like back and forth. Yeah. And you're like, all right, let me let me even make sure that I don't laugh at certain jokes so that this person doesn't get at me because I know I'm gonna get destroyed. I think what made it worse, I kind of still still sleep in my personality now, where it's like, I'll take on some challenges knowing this might be a bit much. Like, every time, <laughs> like man, I'm not doing this, man. I, I ain't going to like no punk. And then later on, I'll be like, oh, I should have backed down from that. Actually, <laughs> they kept going. This is, this didn't work in my favor. There's times it worked in my favor. There's times where I'd be like, oh, I should have did this. This is not working in my favor at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I was pretty, I held my own. I, I, I was always in the top quartile uh in the you know 
so I, I held my own in, in terms of being able to to make fun of people, joke the dozens, all that. So um, I didn't have it too too bad, but definitely wasn't wasn't the 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 at the apex where certain kids you just knew like oh. if they said what the what you laughing at you're like oh man fuck <laughs> you just seen something I didn't even know I had on be like I didn't know right like you're like how did you even notice that <laughs> way too observant <laughs> it just waiting um but yeah continue so education and just it's funny looking back at the education um a lot of it well I can say most kids in uh, urban cities we didn't take advantage fully of it but also at the same time there were things that were lacking you know and you know elementary school our education was nothing i think once he got to middle school realized well, we could talk back and not really get in the same kind of trouble right or we could just and i i think my, the worst mistake i realized was realizing i could not throw 100 percent effort in school and still get a 3.0 and i was like okay i shouldn't have never i should never discover that that yeah. changed a lot about my education experience because I realized I can just kind of half step this, and uh, you know, still be fine. Yeah, I I think I I struggle with with that as well. Just not developing the level of work ethic, um, and diligence necessary to be able to um to succeed. Beyond just you know graduating or you know getting passing grades, so I can yeah I, I I agree with that and I think a lot of us do fall into that trap, um, yeah, yeah. It was just it's just interesting with school looking back. I mean, of course you do things differently. Of course, things educationally I do differently, but just looking back at what we actually were taught. There are things I wish that we were taught that maybe may have held my interest or maybe not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, financially, I'm seeing in, I think it's Florida and Alabama, we're going to start teaching the kids about financial literacy. And I think that would have been beneficial for a lot of kids, especially those of us who worked for ourselves, um, especially those who, you know, even if you got large sums of money early in life in terms of how to manage it all, what to do. Yeah, you can look it up online, but we're going to put important, essential, key facts of life on young adults going to the world that are instructing them. Because, you know, I mean, we have to know about history. I get that. You don't want to repeat it. But there are certain things about European history I don't need to learn. Most kids aren't going to take calculus. Most people don't use algebra in day-to-day -day life. Geometry, yeah, more so. But more, there's certain things we don't use right. in our day life. You know, we can read and learn about poetry without spending so much time on Shakespeare. There's certain key facts right now that they need to learn in order to actually get out here and be okay. Because those same kids are talk about not being able to manage the facts of their life together. So, um, just a change in curriculum. That's not on the teachers. The teachers get what they're, you know, you got, like they tell you guys what to teach, and I get that. That's not on you all. That's more so on the school districts. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a... I think there's a definite um, way in which we need to tailor education to the needs and interests of different cohorts and, and, and different groups of, of students. So, for example, I think that your argument is more for a 
practical, pragmatic, vocational approach to educating certain kids who are might not be interested in um, a more, you know, humanities um, based education. Uh, and I agree with that. I think we need to be realistic about the fact that not everyone can fit into our ideas of what an individual should have. Um, and, and the idea of just having one standard applied to vast swaths of, 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 of a youth population is, is not the best approach. But for me, I enjoyed literature tremendously. Um, history, I loved it. Um, philosophy, um, I was I was I was not very good nor interested in math, so I definitely <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> but um, in terms of just the 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 intellectual uh, foundations of the world and literature and uh, humanism. I was very interested. So I think that for kids like me, um, having that sort of education is important and, and, and it should be celebrated. But I also think that there's plenty of other children and uh, that wanted something that was more tailored to what they uh, wanted to do in life after high school. And, you know, maybe preparing them for non-academic areas of, of, of the job market would have been smarter. So I think to a large extent, that was the way in which education worked in the beginning. But obviously, to, to have done it in the past where there were so many issues around racism and sexism and lack of access, you know, many people would say that that's an elitist perspective to take and it doesn't allow for, it didn't allow at least, uh, for the opportunity um, to be given to certain groups to choose to go into academia or to have that uh, robust um, enlightenment education. Um, but now I think that after all the advances, which, you know, are incomplete and, and there's still a lot of work to be done and left, we could, we could you know, start thinking about maybe um, creating different pathways and tracks for different types of kids who show aptitudes for certain things and for others who uh, show aptitudes for, for others and, and building the educational system in that way so that, you know, everyone benefits. It's funny because I remember just growing up, right, all you heard was college, 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 and that's all I knew. Exactly. And at that point, I knew no one else in my family graduated with a degree. Once my mom got her AA, and I was in the middle of my freshman, I was at the end of my freshman year of college, I was just like, so what am I doing here? I'm no longer going to lose the first. Let me uh, let me go ahead and leave, and that's how I ended up entering off in the barbering. Because originally, I was going to be a teacher. That's what I was going to school for when I got to college. And then once she got her paperwork, I was like, uh, won't be the first. I don't have to be here. That, 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 that was another um, decision based on uh, maybe short-sighted selfishness, Omari. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I was 19. 
know, I just, you know, talking to say yeah. it wasn't. You know. Um, I also went to to college, and and looking back, I'm I'm kind of regretting um my majors. What was your exact major again? History and philosophy. And so my, yeah, exactly. So just in terms of, because like, in terms of my um, employability and marketability in the, in, in, in the job, uh, in, in, for, for jobs, it's pretty limiting, right? Um, it's too general. And I wish I could have been smarter and, and, and had chosen something less for um, a romantic idealist idea of, you know, learning for learning's sake and done something a little bit more uh, geared towards my job prospects. But I mean, you are one of the most well-rounded people I do know. And that, and I mean that from all aspects and that kind of contributed. I mean, education helped you in that in a sense. Yeah. yeah. You're not but one I, of the people who's hard line one way. Right. You're, go anyway but but that was the point i was gonna get at uh uh right now which is all of the reading that i did for my classes was something that i could have done in my spare time after work or you know during vacations you know because i'm doing the same thing now that i was doing when i was majoring in those same things and the only difference is that I don't benefit from having a major that was able to give me uh, better financial security. Like I could have majored in something that would have, you know, allowed me to make good, uh, a good salary. And then when I came home, I could have been reading Frederick Jameson and, you know. But your heart wasn't in Wallace. Your heart, your, your heart wasn't in that. It wasn't, it, but I wish I because <laughs> you know, like my heart wasn't going into going to school either. Like I enjoyed reading history and and books and stories and debates and all of that stuff when I was in high school. But it was at, on my own terms, you know. Like it wasn't like I did things because I was told. It was like, well, this book sucks. I ain't gonna read it, and I would like try to read my own book. So I wish I just had a little bit more discipline and. Um, had more guidance to be able to make certain choices. Um, to 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 have been better able to to have a better salary. I guess that's that sounds very short sighted, but you know, I have a kid now and a mortgage, so. <laughs> I mean, it's different looking back now. <laughs> uh, you know, it's totally different now. You start looking like, oh, I got all these real world things going on. Exactly. But they, you know, but like there's certain things we aren't prepared for. We're not prepared to have a well-rounded view or to have, we're prepared for right now, right now. So you probably would have been in like, a, you know, like in a real competitive field with other people thinking the same way and may have found yourself in a situation where maybe you're not you're making the money at one point and then you go through a year of not because you're let go because there's so many people coming out cheaper and younger. Whereas in your profession, uh, there's always going to be a need 
because people are leaving the teaching world early. And and even somebody new comes around who's younger and cheaper, they're not adapted dealing with the crazy personalities of these kids. And um, you got three months off. I do enjoy that. Yes, that makes, <laughs> makes a big difference. Um, so what are, what are your views on, on politics? It's changed over time. When I was younger, when I was heavily more as a Jehovah's Witness, I was non-political. And then once I stopped doing that, I was lean democratic, but I settled in on it as an independent. I started realizing both parties have their faults. Um, too many people become political sycophants. You know what I mean? Like they just find their ways into just deep diving into what they believe without listening to, to the other side. Right. And the you know, best answer to these questions is somewhere in the middle. And that's why oftentimes I've heard people say, uh, Certain Democratic presidents maybe didn't do enough, but yet they're trying to meet in the middle. Whereas sometimes Republican presidents, they'll try to meet in the middle, but they have such a one uniting voice that they're forced to go to the right. And I'm like, there's too much of a game, you know, that they play. So I try to stay out of it. It's almost like a, it's almost like gang war in a sense. Yes, you know, exactly. You blood or you cripping. Or it's like, you know, let me just stay over here and not wear none of these colors. Let me wear some neutral colors. Yeah, po- political binaries don't allow for um, nuance and complexity and for a development of history and how we've gotten to a certain place or position in the present that has a a long uh, and fraught history. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, I think. Um the more you study politics and history, the, the, the more you listen to different political perspectives, um, the more humble you become and, 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 and the more you understand that you, it's, it's not as easy as the um, political entertainment complex makes it seem to be um you turn on the tv or you turn on the internet or wherever you're going to be at and it's uh one or the other you can't you can't wear gray you gotta wear black or you gotta wear white you know life is in the shades of gray that's where the beautiful i mean that's where the beautiful parts come at in those margins and i don't think we've gone we've gotten back to what technically made us different as a country is for all of our faults, there was a freedom to be different in your stances without having to be an extremist. Yeah. You know, but you, extremism is the norm on both sides. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call myself an extremist, but I definitely think that uh, my mindset and, and views are definitely outside of the Overton window and sort of like accepted discourse around political issues. And so to debate or to discuss or to have a dialogue about a lot of the things that are topical 
and a lot of about a lot of the issues that people are having conversations about. Um, sometimes I feel like it's not productive, and because, like you said, you're dealing with people who are sycophants or you know who are just regurgitating and repeating talking points that they hear from the media that they've chosen as representative of who they are and who they want to be and who they deem to be correct. Um, and we all do that to a certain extent, but I think it's obvious sometimes when certain people haven't necessarily uh, done the research and the careful thinking about the positions that they do take. And that isn't to say that I'm better or that I've done it in a way that uh, has given me any clarity, but I'm attempting to gain a little bit of a clarity. And that's precisely the reason why I think, you know, um, it's difficult to come to any conclusive answers about any of any of this. Well, what Politically you speaking, I mean, you're talking about growth. How many people actually want to grow as we get older? I mean, you know, you're open and willing to listen to different things. That's a key facet of life. We don't want to get to a point where those old people who get set in their ways and don't grow. We all know those old people who are like, this is what I said. That's what it is. And it's like, no, it's still wrong. <laughs> you know, like we have to be able to grow and adapt and recognize the mistakes and the errors of our ways. And so that's part of what you said in terms of learning. We just deal with people all the time who are younger, entrenched in their stance of not learning. Even when you hear the correct information, you say, no, that's still wrong. It's in front of you. Right. You know, that's, that's where we're at. So, yeah, I mean, you're doing the right thing. Just being open doesn't mean you're going to change or not change. You're at least open to the idea of something else. Right. Which is what we all need to be. We need to be open to new ideas or just refinement. We get, we get our tires rotated. We get our oils changed. We get our haircuts okay. or everything. We, we shower. We maintain ourselves physically and our objects physically. We have to maintain ourselves mentally and emotionally and, you know, politically. I like that that um, metaphor analogy. Um, yeah, I like that. We 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 ought to be as um, committed to maintaining our minds, our spirits, ourselves to the same degree that we do our physiques and 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 our you know physical and our and our things. Yeah, because I mean I think there's a debate to be had that that's more important, you know, our minds, our soul, our spirit. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, so what, what do you think, having said all of that about politics and, and where we as Americans stand um, in, the, in, in the current iteration of the culture wars, what, what do you think our society is lacking? Uh, Glad you brought up culture wars. There's multiple, there's like four different ones going on at the same time. So <laughs> happening at the same time. Because we already addressed social media earlier. I would just say there's a hard stance on whatever you're at. It's become more of a war or a game to say it's us versus them instead of saying we're together. The whole gender wars. Um, you know, we've known about the race wars that's been going on. We talked about the political ones. Then there's the ones of the people who say, you know, I could never work a nine to five. 
or how y'all or or like how y'all go out here without having a guaranteed check? You know, it's all kind of like <laughs> arguments between people. I'm like, y'all spend all time arguing about nothing. Hey, sorry to sorry to cut you off. Um, the I'm not on social media, and 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 I can you know I I've, I've said this a I miss few. Miss you on social media, man. I miss your uh, your takes <laughs> and your book recommendations. <laughs> But um, so I, I kind of get a lot of the the the, the sort of uh, debates secondhand and through osmosis. But the one that I saw recently was uh, people debating whether they take five hundred thousand dollars or oh my uh, god, go- <laughs> oh, lying. I listen, and so. Yes, I, I just wanted to confirm that oh, there's a lot of asinine and 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 just uh, vapid, inane, real debate and it wars. Is but yeah, a dumb debate. <laughs> um, but yeah, continue. Sorry, I cut you off. Just no, you're fine. No, I mean, I, you remind me of that one. that's another one. That's that's another one you got to remind me of. Because I was like, oh my god, y'all really having a, a debate about anything. <laughs> right, whatever. Everything is an argument. Why is something that people argue with? I was thinking of 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 starting to do meditation and um, you know um, working on 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 my consciousness and just um, trying to incorporate that aspect of 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 Eastern, you know traditions but i don't know man it sounds a little difficult but <laughs> anything's doable anything's doable anything's doable some things take time and some things just aren't for you you know right that's true mindfulness yeah that was the word i was looking for but um so in terms of your diet what are you um what are you thinking of of of, of doing in terms of eating healthier is there any sort of diet or plan that you have in mind or um, techniques or methods? There's no specific set diet, just cutting certain things out. Like I've had bad eating habits forever. Uh, I used to go to like Krispy Kreme and get a 12 pack and knock it out. Or <laughs> I go to like round table and get a 12. Ooh. Uh, nice large. I, I could knock it out on my own to this day. Round table by the, by the lake or? Yeah, I mean, down here is one down here, but by the lake back home, okay. yeah. Yeah. I, I used to get the 12 slice, and I could knock it out by myself, or, you know, go in and out, get the secret. I, I could tear up some food. So it's like portion control and what I'm eating, you know, because I would eat healthy in between that, too. Right. But you, you've never been uh, big. Exactly. So... That's why I kept doing that. Because I was never big. I'm the same, I'm, I'm the same way, but um, I've definitely. Uh, have been eating a lot healthier than I used to when, when we first met, you know, you know, I think my diet was worse than yours, to be honest. Well, for, for, for a long period, it was worse than yours. And then towards the end of my stay in the Bay area, I started getting a little bit better. And, um, I started working out, started being a little bit better with my eating, um, started doing, you know, uh, a long, uh, feeding window for intermittent fasting. Um, yeah, but now, I remember doing that before we went to Miami. I, I, I do remember yeah. that. So, so now I do feel that um, I'm in a place where 
my eating habits are, are very good. And, and I have to thank my, my, my life partner, Paula, for that. You know, she cooks every day for me, make sure that I'm on, on point. Oh, um, you get that. Oh, you get that good. That good adobo too. Mm, that she just she just had some, oh, we just had some today um so we're doing um keto well i'm doing keto she is too but you know she's not as rigid um and strict with it as i am um but i'm doing keto uh sunday through thursday and then uh cheating on fridays and saturdays and then i'm doing intermittent fasting with a four-hour feeding window from 6 to 10 p.m and it works always respect I always respected you for that. Even when we were going to Miami, you were doing I always respected intermittent fasting. I tried it. I can't do it. I know myself. I've tried yeah. it. I, I respect y'all who can do it. I I have a relationship with food. Yeah. Not just like, I, it's not one of those things where, you know, uh, just eating when I'm sad. I'm like, I just, I enjoy food. You enjoyed it, yeah. I'm There's a saying. Who enjoy eating. Right. There's a saying that says the, the, the best diet is the one that you can stick to. So, you know, no one knows you and your body as much as you do. So, you know, you, 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 you're going to know what's the best, um, path to take when it comes to, um, intermittent fasting, dieting, uh, et cetera, uh, even working out too, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know, that's, uh, so it's just trying to find, pick, mix and match certain things, uh, I start trying to throw smoothies in as an alternate snack, mm. you know, instead of getting a bag of chips or, you know, Oreos. I used to tear up some Oreos. <laughs> Yo, listen, I don't know if I've, if, if I've ever enjoyed a meal more than a Oreos, cookies and cream, uh, milkshake, you know, like, I think that's, that's the apogee of. That's beautiful. Foods ever. Just uh, cookies and All cream, Oreo, milkshake, and the one from McDonald's. Why are their machines always down? Because everyone's using it because that's delicious. What are, they, is, um, what, are, what are they called? McFlurry? McFlurries. <sighs> Come on, McDonald's. McFlurries are amazing. I, I haven't had a McFlurry in years, but I was, uh, I was in Queen. I was in high school when the McFlurry first came out. And every day for it like two years, every kid will get a McClure. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe that's what happened. It changed our lives. It literally. There's no going back after that. <laughs> so literally good. no going back. So good. Um, now, I know you had mentioned about therapy. Um, can you, you know, it, it's, it's up to you, but you mind telling us a little bit more about that and your experience with, with that? And how that's helped you become a better man and a better person. Therapy is very humbling. Therapy, uh, I look forward to it and I don't look forward to it. I look forward to it because I know change is coming. I don't look forward to it because I have to go through the process of change. I can't just automatically change. I have to go through the process of breaking down things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know a guy, he's very, he's formal and informal. He's open. He's like, man, look, you know, conversations are real time. So, you know. Are you open to your therapist cussing? And I was like, I have no issue with it. You know, he said that from the, he said it from the beginning. I was like, bro, I respect it. You know, listen, sometimes you gotta say that word that you just can't edit. And you know, we'll have very real, authentic conversations. They feel 
like barbershop conversation, just more uh, refined. Mm. Like a barbershop conversation had it was in a final draft and not that rough edit that we always have. <laughs> yes, it it feels it's very helpful. Um, it's rough though because there's things that he'll say or expect, not like in a bad way, but these are moments where I find myself saying, "Ah, this is why I avoided therapy because I, I don't feel like I want to stay in my nonsense." You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I don't want to have to face the the man in the mirror. You know, I'm able, I do it. I feel like I've uh, thought about things better instead of jumping first into it. Cause I used to jump head first and stuff and say, oh, we'll just see what happens. It works out in the movies. It'll work out here. You know, <laughs> like, you know it's like, it's not meant to work out that way. You have to think about it, especially when you're getting older. There are lasting consequences, especially with, you know, I, I started before you found out uh, Ziana was on her way. So, now it's like, all right, I'm here for myself. And, you know, I still want to be a well-adjusted parent for when she gets older. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And uh, becomes the person she's going to become, whoever that is. You know, so I want to be able to be a well-adjusted parent. You know, kind of be able to adapt. Because the world is changing around us, so I know the world's going to be changing for her. Yeah, I mean, the, the changes seem to be accelerating and and the rate of of, of of changes within um generations seems to to be even quicker so and we got girls so you know it's it's it's, it's not saying that you try to stifle them because you're not but it's just saying that from the way that we grew up we grew up learning about women and trying to process that into going forward into a new day and age or a new standard or things like that it feels like we're going to be doing more of the adjusting and growing than they are because they're just living life as they know it Mm-hmm. We know their stage. We know our history, and having to adjust to them to be effective teachers and parental guides for them. Exactly. In a, yeah, in a way that's structured, in a way that is um, benevolent, uh, and and with you know, with a a a, a um, earned authority. But also open and and free and loving and embracing of the whole person, um, and 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 for them to know that they are unconditionally loved, um, but also that there are certain ways of being that are important and necessary in order for you to be able to um, flourish as a as an individual so it, it it's definitely a, a a difficult task that we have uh in front of us but i feel like we're, we're, we're both um up to up to it um because yeah we, we've come a long way from from when we were younger and it's obvious that we're constantly questioning and and thinking about how to become better, and that's that's gonna definitely impact uh, for the good um, our daughters. Yeah. Um, and finally, to wrap up with the the what's lacking podcast uh, questions. What's your favorite question? Sorry, what's your favorite book? Oh, a movie. 
and question I stress more more so about than any other question. Right, that that everyone should also complete. So not just like your own private, um, uh, idiosyncratic um, media that you enjoy, but something that you enjoy and that you feel that others should also get to know. So the book one, the book one is the easiest one. The other two is the hardest. The other two, I still went back and forth on even before the conversation started with us. Okay. So the book um, is from a Haitian Canadian author. His name is Ben Philippi. I seen it at Target uh, about two and a half years ago. It's called "Sure I'll Be Your Black Friend." Oh wow! It's about, <laughs> it's about his. It's a, it's a serious slash satirical commentary about um, him and his uh, dynamic with white people, okay. young and old, you know, dealing with his background and family, too. But it revolves around his relationship with white people, different dynamics, because, you know, we're all surrounded by whiteness. And so it just takes a, a certain point. I remember on Instagram sort of story i reached out to him in a dm just real quick and just gave him you know a shout out said i liked about it boom two days later instant response and you know it was love you know he said that you know he wrote the book and a lot of his white friends were upset at the book they said this can't be how this is you you're and it's just like yo this is my viewpoint y'all can't tell me i'm wrong you're doing it right now right and so we had it was just a short conversation because you know on social media, he don't know me, and he said he didn't respond at first. He thought I was a troll because he had got some troll comments. And so he re- he read it a day or so after he saw it and realized, oh, this is legit. We had a cool little back and forth about it, you know. Okay. It wasn't, ben, I, I wasn't going, I wasn't going to press the man, you know. Ben Philippi. Yeah, yeah, I'll check him out. Yeah, it's a it's a simple cover. It's literally a a cover with a black silhouette with a and a white silhouette and the arms around each other. It's so simple. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds hilarious. It it was it was hilarious because a lot of his white stories, I was like, this is relatable or <laughs> I've heard this before or I felt this, you know, so it's definitely something I think you'd enjoy. Okay. Uh album. Oof, that was a hard one. Um I went back and forth between that Kendrick from last year that felt like a therapy release album. I went back and forth between that one. Between uh, Illmatic, you know, and between uh, my dark, twisted, beautiful fantasy, mm. I went back and forth between those. Ultimately, I settled on Victory Lap by Nipsey. Oh, because well, sadly he's gone, but it felt like seeing a person who had to live a certain way get to the end of the journey of having to live a certain way and becoming a new person. So you hear the traces of the old life, you see the potential for the new, and you see him in that moment really starting to come out of that cocoon and become that butterfly. Mm. I think a lot of people, whether you are into the street life, whether you're in, it's religious, whether it's political, whatever, your background is that you feel kind of enclosed in that was your environment that you were a product of. You can bust out of that and become something different while still keeping organic to your roots. And it's very relatable regardless of your background. You know, people from a certain background relate to it more obviously because of some of the content, but just the overall meaning behind it, mm-hmm. you know, you ran this race, life's a marathon, sure, but you ran this race, this rat race within said 
lifestyle that you're in and you're almost done with it. You're about to shake it. You won. You know, I think about one of my cousins. He did a six year bid. He got out. He's like, man, I ain't going back. I lived that hard life. I did it. I don't care. I ain't going back. Right. I said he, he moved away. Ain't going back. He with his wife and his two kids and he living simple. He said, I ain't doing nothing. This reminds me of that. You can break off from whatever it is and win at life. It's growth. Yeah, so Victory Life, uh, Victory Lap. It's not, of course, there's other albums that are more of my favorite, but that one just sticks out to me more so right. for his and what, and who he was. And still, he is. yeah. Yeah. I remember um, enjoying that album a lot, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it, yeah, it's hit records on there, but it's still a lot of like, whoa, Ooh, it's a lot. It's deep, bro. You know, yeah. maybe feel a certain way. Um, movie, that's another one, man. Movie, movie just, ah, it just messes with my head. Uh, see, I went back and forth between a couple Dead Poet Society. Um, what's the other one? Ah, tip of my tongue, tip of my tongue. Casablanca was the other one I went back and forth on. You know, I, I like to think of myself as a, as a movie buff, movie connoisseur, and I've never. Seeing Casablanca, classic. No, I know. It's just I've never. It's made I'm, before. So I've started it. it, and I'm just like, yeah, all right. And then I'm never, but I will definitely make it happen. It's made in the '40s, so you got to accept the fact that there's only one black dude in that movie who's not African, and it's set in Africa. You have to accept that it's made in right. 1941. Just take it <laughs> as it is. Yeah, um, I had to do the same thing. I took it 40 to us and kept pushing. There's that one. There's Dark Knight. But, I mean, it's so many classics. And movies is one of those things where I'm like, ah, how do you settle on one? You know, it's just hard to just pick one movie. And even still now in the moment, I'm still, like, second-guessing myself for what I selected. But I just had a tip of my tongue. I was tip of my tongue. I just had a tip of my tongue. Ah, come back to that. That's such a hard one. I'm going to give you an answer before we go. That's such a hard one because there's so many great, so I, many great movies. I know you had there. mentioned Dead Poet Society, which is another. Uh, yeah, but that, wasn't, like. that wasn't one of the ones I was going to okay. make. Oh, oh, got it. Okay, now I remember what it was. Uh, Malcolm X. Okay. Malcolm X solely because it's that rare three-hour movie that feels every bit of three hours but it's not wasted time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get in those three-hour movies, and if it doesn't feel like it's three hours, it's a comic book movie, like how Avengers Endgame was, or it didn't feel like it was that long. Right. You know, but it was a long movie. Or you get the ones like The Irishman that are three and a half hours, or this new Avatar movie that are three hours and feel like they're five. Right? Because <laughs> no, the plot line is just terrible. You know? But uh, you watch Denzel become a guy, and We've never seen Denzel look like that since, you know. So it just shows that Denzel could transform into something and bounce back. Um, we see Spike Lee's directing while he's still Spike Lee before he dove into some of those movies. And I'm like, come on, bro. You know, through a silly, he took he took something a character, not a character, a real life person, and dove into his story in a way I didn't think he was. I didn't think he spent that much time on him as Detroit Red. He learned a lot. Uh, it's 
it feels like a movie everybody has to watch because Malcolm X is an important political and American figure that does not get the respect he deserves. You know, it it's always been a movie that even when it came on BET with all the commercials when I was younger, I could sit and watch that. Still watch, yeah. Totally engrossed, knowing what's happening, knowing what's coming, and still just be like, all right, it did. It hasn't gotten old for me. Yeah, I, I think. I think. Oh, sorry. I think we. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say there's other movies I wanted to say. You know, I was gonna say Star Wars for the fact that it jumped off one of the greatest uh, dynasty of movies that we've ever seen. And it's branched off into nothing based upon this dude eating mushrooms in his dorm room. <laughs> branched off. And, you know, that that's really how he wrote that script. He said it was one movie he wrote on, on mushrooms and he split it into three movies while he was in film school. Which I was like, you know, hey, I guess it unlocked something. You know, uh, there's, there's a bunch of movies, man. Just movie. But it's just something about Malcolm X. Even when you read the book, the way that Spike dove into that I don't I. they often call Do the Right Thing his greatest movie and I understand why but for me Malcolm X is his greatest movie I don't know if you remember we we, we had a debate about this um, one time and I remember just saying that Malcolm X the first half was amazing and then the second half I, th- I thought it deteriorated and and didn't live up to 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 the great um, story and directing of of the first half. So well, because he, well, because the second half we already knew all that. Like, true. like what about him as a as a Muslim and as a political activist? Do we not know? Do we not hear of? You know, it's seeing him as Detroit Red in his background. And everything you're like, yo, what is going on here? If you hadn't read the book or you hadn't really dove into Malcolm like that, you it was eye opening. It was new. Right. Okay. Because, yeah. because to your point, like if that's you know, I I saw it differently. But if you see it like that, I understand why. Because I mean, it's something that you know, you know. It's, and this point, you've watched Denzel be one way. Now you're seeing a whole different shift into a whole different character. So Spike doesn't blend that part. He does make it two separate movies, but it is two separate lives too. So it deserves okay. to be two that's separate. true. Yeah, so it's almost like, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just, you know, it's, it adds to the conversation, the context. Yeah. I um, I haven't been watching as many movies as I used to, but I'm definitely going to watch Casablanca this weekend. I promise. And I will, Casablanca, you got to take it for what it is, man. Yeah, and I will text you my, 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 my thoughts and, and feelings. Yeah, and the only reason why I watched that because in the movie theater back home before it closed down, it's like oh wait, they had movies up there for like fifty cents and a dollar, and that movie was after tax like a dollar and five cents. I was like bet, yeah, exactly. And I watched it, I was like oh, this is actually pretty dope. A bang for your buck. Literally, Literally. one of the movies that you know, because I would hear this movie called one of the greatest movies of all time by older white people, and I was like, what is this? This movie can't be made one of the greatest movies of all time. Come on, guys. Right, but it is. Yes. Bonus bonus movie. Bonus movie. This was the movie. This was the one I really struggled with. Jurassic Park, the first one. Solely because 
those 1993 graphics hold up today. Yeah. Solely because of that. that I, I the, wanted to say that so bad. The 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 scene with the OV Raptors, what are they called? Those the small raptor like dinosaurs inside of the uh in the building. Oh, the Velociraptors? Yeah, Velociraptors, okay. Yeah. That scene when the T Rex first walks out, that chase. It's a whole separate movie at first, and then when they get loose, it's like, oh my god! Yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's a good movie. And the scene of Jurassic Park movies now, and I'm looking at, at the technology. Like, how did y'all get worse? Um, Paul and I were deciding between Elvis and the new Jurassic Park, uh, the third one in the in the new um the the newest installment, yeah. and we went with and we went with Elvis. Uh, that was that I couldn't finish it. That was whack. It looked whack. I know he got the Golden Globe. Part of me always felt like I'm tired of hearing about Elvis. I just didn't. I didn't watch it. And and the new Jurassic Park looks stupid. I'm not gonna lie. I know. I'm, so I'm like, all right. And, you know, we wanted something to just relax, lay back. You know, not 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 put too much thinking into it. Um, True. Because we it's saw the fun. yeah, we saw the whale too. That was horrendous and atrocious too. So with Brandon Fraser, I've been hearing good things yeah. about him. If you watch it, just tell me what you think. I, I, that's probably one of the worst movies I've seen in in a while. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I and I love Darren Aronofsky, but that movie just yeah, many, many flaws. Part of me feels like he got love for that movie because all I kept hearing about was his weight gain transformation. Yeah, considering how he was in the Mummy, underrated <laughs> movie by the way, Under, underrated franchise. You know, see, <laughs> the mu- the Mummy was very popular. Yes. Yeah, the franchise, I mean, with the excellent theme park ride. You know, it's yeah. very, very underrated movie. You know, seeing him from that to this, it was like, oh, whoa, what happened to him? Yeah, I mean, I guess the performance was good, but I, the, 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 the story and the um, the dialogue and the plot, it was just, yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't it was a good movie. But we could, people take their role so well, they overcome a plot and become a central point of the movie. Exactly. So think of it as better than what it was. And, I mean, I think the same applies for Elvis. You know, the, the, the performance by the, the, the actor playing Elvis was really good, but the movie was, it was, it was, it was too much, literally doing too much overstimulation and, and not one respite or, or, or time to just let it marinate. Yeah, they went for heavy on how much he looked like him, and it developed the rest of the world around him. Whereas, like Ray, Jamie looked like Ray Charles, and then everything else around him was amazing too. So it's I like mean, the, a perfect movie. You have you have a formula for biopics that work. So I don't you know like don't. Don't reinvent the wheel. That's literally what they needed to do. Like, have you have you ever seen a bad biopic? You not really. Like, all biopics are good. Like, <laughs> they're not my. They they might not be great. They might not you know push the boundaries or limits of movie making. But for what they are, they're good. And this you know Baz Luhrmann, he he tried to sort of um, do the biopic in a in a different way. You know, add different elements, and it just didn't work. Because there's been so many different Elvis shows and movies. At that point, he said he tried something different. That's true. Elvis That's true. is a fascinating figure, and 
they've been trying to find ways to make him more interesting. And I'm like, this isn't some mythical character with a background that you can kind of create. Y'all could make four different Darth Vader TV shows because he's a fake character. You can kind of mix and match what it is. This is a real person. There's no script. The life is a script. Yeah, that's true. You know, stick to it. So when they fail in those ranges, it's like, all right, you tried too much and something that's already handwritten for you. That is true. Um, On that note, it was great talking to you. Thank you for joining me in this podcast. It was a great conversation. Um, I feel like we already knew each other uh, deeply and a lot, but there's, there's definitely uh, new things that I learned in this conversation uh, that make me appreciate you even even more. So nice talking to you, and thank you for being part of the, the, the What's Like in podcast. Always, bro. Man, I'm, I'm glad to see you got it back going. Hey, listen, I'm 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 trying. I'm trying. I I I hope to get more people willing to to sit down and give me an hour, an hour and a half of their time. It seems like people are hesitant, um, maybe because the questions tend to be a little um, personal. I'm I'm guessing, but hey, it's it's good to 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 share with the world your story, and and I think everyone has a a a, a story worthy. Of being heard, and 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 being uh, being heard and 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 learned from. I mean, most of us air ourselves out on social media anyway. So good, good point. You know, what's the difference? Be vulnerable, people. Yes. <laughs> yes, be vulnerable. It, it attracts more people and it helps us see the see the uh, humanity in each other. That's right. I I agree a hundred percent. All right. Take care. Um, Peace. Yes, sir.